Welcome to the Best of the God Reports podcast. I'm your host, Rebecca, and I'm here with my husband, Sam, and our brand new baby daughter, Malia. Today, we have an incredible interview with the only known survivor from the impact zone at the World Trade Center on September 11th. Premnet was born in Guyana and came to America with little money in his pockets in 1981. A couple of years into coming into America, he woke up one day and decided he wanted to be a good guy, whatever good means. Then a friend invited him to church. The more he went, the more he liked what he saw, he says. Premnet gave his life to Jesus in 1983. When he first came to America, he started working any job he could make to make ends meet and eventually ended up working in the World Trade Center. On the morning of September 11th, he was riding up the elevator to his office at 8.45 a.m. when Tower 1 was hit by the first plane. He didn't see or hear anything. As soon as he laid his briefcase down, he started receiving tons of messages. Stan, are you okay? As he glanced out of his window, for the first time that morning, he was stunned to see huge chunks of fireballs falling from Tower 1. Here is Stanley Premnet telling all that happened to him that day with journalist Mark Ellis from God Reports in an interview that was recorded in 2011. I walked all the way back, went into the office and the phone is ringing again. A lady from Chicago, Stan, get out. Get out for what? Stan, we don't have the time. Please get out. We don't have the time, Stan. Please get out. Stan, you're not logged on to the computer. You're not watching the monitor. You're not listening to radio. No, no, no. Tell me why. And I will get out. And I still didn't know a plane had hit the first building. Assuring this lady that I'm fine. I'm standing up with a phone in my hand. Just happened to look towards the Statue of Liberty. And when I'm looking there, I'm staring down at a huge plane, green color. You on the tail peering down on me. I left light contact. Mm. So you saw a pl the plane coming yes, sir, the from plane your office? Like 175. The plane is coming towards me. The plane is coming for me. So it was, it was near the Statue of Liberty when you first spotted it? Yes, it was in the direction of the Statue of Liberty. Okay. This plane is coming straight towards me. I left light contact. And as the plane is getting nearer, you can hear this revving sound this engine is making. Like, you know that sound the plane makes like when it's about to take off? Mm-hmm. That revving sound engine makes, well, quadruple that sound, and it's making that sound coming towards me, and it's coming, it's it, getting bigger and nearer. And these are soundproof buildings. Soundproof buildings. And yes. you could hear that sound. I could hear that sound. Oh my goodness. I can still hear that sound in my head now. That that sound would never go away. Were you were you standing or sitting at I'm your? I'm standing up, and I'm looking at this plane, and and you you don't know how fast your mind is reacting. Mm -hmm. And all I remember doing, I dropped this phone and I screamed. I said, Lord, I can't do this. You take over. Mm. And even if you beat me over the head today, now, I would never be able to tell you why I said what I said there. Mm. But that's all I remember saying, Lord, I can't do this. You take over. Mm. Now, I'm looking back in retrospect. I'm looking at this video of this plane coming in from the nose. If you look, you would see this plane come straight and last minute it makes a tilt mm -hmm. as it comes towards the building. That, my friend, is a giant hand of God. When I said, Lord, you take over, he's pushing that plane away from me. Oh, my I goodness. In my heart. Oh, my goodness. And that is what I said that caused that plane to do what it did. Mm. So I said, Lord, I can't do this. You take over. Dove under the desk. 
the next thing I know, the plane came in, but I went slice right through the office and stuck in my office door, 20 feet from where I am, huddled under the desk. The actual wing came into your office? Yes, yes, sir. The bottom wing sliced right through the office, and it's stuck in my office door. So the top part of the wing, the plane is like if you take one wing, you put it flat, and then you put the other wing on, on top. Yes. That wing is probably in the, somewhere in the 78 or the 80, well, 80-something floor. Mm. So well, I thought there was a massive fireball when the when it hit, right on impact. That's what exactly happened. There was a massive fireball, and so the bottom wing just stuck right there. Wow. I don't understand how. The plane, the major part of the plane blew up, and there's a there's a big orange ball. Mm -hmm. But the bottom wing, when it crash landed, is stuck in my office door. Is this the door to exit your office? That is the door to exit the office. Okay. Now. You're under your desk. I'm under the desk. The only desk that stood firm is the one I'm hiding under because my Bible is on top of that desk. Mm. Upon upon impact, it looks like a demolition crew came and just ripped the entire place apart. Every wall is flattened. Every piece of office furniture is like matchboxes. It looks like somebody took a giant bag of cement, threw it in the air. Mm. Part of the 82nd floor collapsed. The ceiling caved in, and all the cables that are hanging inside just dropped, and they're short-circuiting because the sprinkler system came on. Well, I'm going to die. If this floor does not collapse totally and kill me, I'm going to get electrocuted. And if that don't get me, well, then that plain wing that is stuck there is going to blow up. I'm going to die. Mm. Now, uh, there must have been a big fireball on top of where you were, huh? The floor over me is a giant fireball. Okay. And the far end of the floor I can see is on fire. Mm -hmm. That part that I am, no fire. Uh-huh. I mean, that, that sounds like a miracle. That, that is a miracle, sir. Yes. That is, that is, you're covered under the shadow of the Lord, dear. Mm. And regardless of what is happening, dear, until all these calamities are passed, you're, shot, you're shadowed. So, I'm pushing the debris one, one, one away from me, realizing I was covered with my shoulder. Mm -hmm. and I can't stand up because my head is touching the floor, and I'm scared that it's, if I run to, to touch it, it's going to just drop and kill me. Mm -hmm. So I'm screaming, Lord, send somebody, anybody to help me. I don't want to die. But I'm crying out with every ounce of fiber, every fiber of my being. I'm crying out. Lord, what's going to happen to my wife and our two kids? Who's going to pay all this bill between her? Lord, I don't want to die. And then I started to scream. Somebody had a flashlight on the other end of the floor. Heard that scream. It looks back as if there was no call waiting. There's no operator. There's no long-distance carrier. I called, he heard, and he responded. Mm. Like Central Station is not busy. Mm -hmm. So I screamed. And even though this person who had a flashlight, this, this, this person responding, I'll wait for you, I can't hear him. Because I'm temporarily deaf. Mm -hmm. The song was too great. So I'm screaming. And this person is shining that light all around and over his head. And I start to crawl as fast as possible because I figure if this man leaves me, I will die. Mm -hmm. Or this person, whoever it is. Mm -hmm. I crawl the entire length of the loans department through the lounge into the computer room, the communication room. These are all separate departments with partition walls where they were all flattened. So you're, you're crawling on your hands and knees. Craw crawling on my hands and knees. And can you see anything or is it? The only thing I could see is that light. You that could flashlight. Okay, because it was I, dark. It, it's dark. 
pitch dark. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, I'm more scared of getting sucked out by the air pressure because you can hear all that paper and everything you hear. It's sucking it out. Huh. You remember the movie Aeroplane? Yes. That air pressure when the windows are popped or was happening? Right. That is what I was scared of. Huh. So I'm holding on to the, the broken debris and everything, mangled furniture and stuff. And I'm crawling. Wait for me. I don't want to die. And as I got closer to where this light was, I realized there was one sheet rock wall that stood firm. Hmm. And I could hear faint as I got there, the person saying, you want to live, you climb over this wall. By this time, I'm, I'm like 95% of my body is black and blue, cut up, stuck on with pulverized cement. Mm -hmm. Swollen. I don't understand how I could have gotten swollen. Hmm. But I, I'm swollen. And there's a 10 feet sheetrock wall, and I'm 5'10". The person says, you jump, I'll catch you from the other side. I can't do it. No, you've got to think about your family. You do it. And this man is re uh, reminding me of CNN and a couple other interviews, Stan. Did you remember what you said? No. Do you go to church? I don't miss a Sunday. I'm asking this man. Are you born again? Why am I asking this man at this time, these questions, the man really think I'm crazy. Mm -hmm. And I never remember, I couldn't remember for the life of me, remember asking this man this question, mm. reminding me of these interviews. So the man says, jump, and I jumped the first time, and I missed. And part of the hanging sheetrock that was there, a part of the ceiling, just caved in and trying to prevent it by hitting my face. I raised my hand, and this black sheetrock screwed up, attached a piece of wood, went straight through my palm, and got wedged on the other side. So now I'm in worse shape than before. A piece of sheetrock? Yeah. Uh, you know, like one of these um, four by two, two by fours, whatever it is? Yeah. Was was on a piece of sheetrock. Mm -hmm. And that piece just caved in. Mm -hmm. And a black sheetrock screw was attached to one of them. And trying to prevent this thing from hitting my face, I raised up my hand. And this black sheetrock screw, it's like a two-inch screw. Okay. It went straight through my palm. Oh, my. So now I'm in worse shape than before. Mm. So when I winced the man, so what happened, I said, a nail went in my palm. He said, you got to bite it out. you got to try again. Oh, boy. I said, I can't do it. He says, is it attached to a piece of wood? I said, yes. He said, well, hit on the wood, the nail is going to come out. So I took the second option. I hit on the wood, the nail came out, the hand just ballooned. It's like a magic. This hand just like, boom, a balloon. Mm. So now, I'm playing with this invisible God that I've heard so much about. I'm actually having a conversation with this invisible God, and I remember this well. And this man is hearing this conversation behind that wall. Mm -hmm. Lord, if you wanted me to die, why did you bring me all the way here? Mm. Who's going to walk our daughters down the aisle when they get married? Mm. What is going to befall my wife? Wow. Lord, who is going to take care of my children? Mm. Lord, give me the strength of just one time more. Mm -hmm. I want to see my family. And I got up, and I can't breathe, and I know this is, this is the end of it. But I looked at the sheetrock wall, and I start caressing this wall, my friend. I'm caressing this wall. Mm -hmm. And I don't have a clue why I'm caressing this wall. And I made a fist as tightly as I could. And standing up, I took a swing as hard as I can. Mm-hmm. And I punched with such force over my head. Mm-hmm. And all I remember was my hand just passed straight through this drug wall. Wow. And that is the grace of God, I'm telling you, because 
if you give me a piece of board, no, I can't break it. Mm. But the man grabbed my fist on the other side. He said, I see your hand. I said, let's go when you see my head just yank my body through. And I punched, and I punched, and I punched. The hole got bigger. And this last dunk of adrenaline that the doctor said I probably had, I jumped like crazy, and I grabbed on the top, stuck my head through that hole. And the man gave me a headlock, and I squirmed, and I squirmed, and he pulled. And he pulled with such force that all I remember was I just flew off on the other side. I flew with such force that I just knocked this man. He was standing on top of a heap of rubble. And he just grabbed me, and we rolled down together. Round and round and round, we rolled down. And we landed on the 80th floor. Oh, my goodness. And this man got up, and he just turned and just gave me one slap. And he said, you could have died, you know that? You were crazy. And he stretched his hand. He said, Brian Clark. And I said, Stanley, pray, man. And when this man held my hand, it was not just holding the hand, giving me a handshake. This man held my hand so gently. And he looked at that wound and he stared me in the eyes. And this man told me something that I'll go to the grave with. He said, all my life I'd live as an only child. I always wanted a brother. I was born and raised in Canada. He said, I find that man today. Oh. This man... He took his hand, he put it over my shoulder, and he said, come on, buddy, let's go home. Mm. And he had a cash in his left palm. And this man took my right hand, rubbed his left hand together, the two hands together, mm -hmm. and he said, from today, you're my blood brother. Wow. And we started that long journey home, hobbling down, hobbling down, hobbling down. Oh, my goodness. Well, I can't believe with the kind of inferno happening above you uh, that you were not engulfed in that. Well, my wife puts it in perspective for me. She says, Stan, the three Hebrew boys were in the fiery furnace. Mm. They were unscratched, unharmed. Mm -hmm. You were in a towering inferno. The impurities are burned out, and you're well done. Oh, my goodness. And I, I would not be able to put that in better terminology or better perspective than that. Mm -hmm. But coming down every form of injustice and cruelty and, and everything else we saw, all my life people looked at me differently. They treated me differently, somehow or the other. But this was the only day in my mind, to my memory, that the color of his skin did not matter. Mm -hmm. We were covered by the same ash. Mm. Brian and Mm. We stop at the floor I can't breathe, and there's a man lying down on the ground, broken back, massive head injury, covered in blood. Please tell my wife and our baby that I love them. We just got married. Oh. Please tell my wife and our baby that I love them. I don't describe people in color, but I'll tell you, my friend. There's a Caucasian gentleman, an Italian man on the ground. I've seen this man in the building, don't know who he is but I've seen him before, lying down. African-American security guard stood up, guarded the man with his life like a hawk. Hmm. He could have escaped, but he chose to stay, and they both perished. Oh, boy. That, my friend, is taking your job to the highest mm -hmm. and giving your life for somebody like Christ. Yes. So the two men perished. Mm-hmm. We volunteer to take him down, and the man says, don't touch him, trying to carry him down would cause him more serious injury, leave him, then help. 
no help came. Mm. After the first building was hit, every person who was there did not go in. They just stayed outside, so they never thought. People were trapped above the 81st floor. Mm -hmm. Brian later told me he was coming down with a group of six other people. When they heard me scream, they all thought something worse was happening. They ran back up, and they all perished. Oh. He stopped to investigate, and he lived. He said, Stan, you screamed, and I lived, because something powerful was in that scream. That blew me down to the floor. I was in a bubble. I was oblivious to smoke. So he, if he had gone with his group, he would have perished. Yes, sir. And instead, he heard your scream, changed... He stayed and tried to investigate, and that's how he lived. He wanted to help you. Yes. Uh-huh. And he had this... Where did he get this flashlight? He was a fire warden for his floor. Is that right? Yes. And I was a fire warden for my floor, too, but I didn't have a flashlight. What floor was he coming from? He was coming from the 84th floor. Mm -hmm. He worked in that building for about, 90, about 21 years up to that time. We took the same elevator and never saw each other. Hmm. He's a CEO for Euro Brokers. He was the CEO? Yes, for Euro Brokers. Euro Brokers. Yes, sir. Okay. Funny thing is, I never saw the man in my life. Hmm. So he said he was oblivious to smoke. He was in a bubble. He was glued to the floor that even though he wanted to move, he couldn't have because there was something powerful in that scream. When everybody had complained that they were... They were overcome with smoke. He was fine. Hmm. Well, let me tell you what is happening behind the scene, then you will understand all these events that leads up to this miracle. Our pastor chose 9-11 to put up a, scree a, 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 a set of words over the sanctuary that reads, enter into his presence with thanksgiving. Hmm. So a group of guys and him, they were working there, and one of them had a radio, and they interrupted the program to say this, there is that. He told the guys, I gotta go home. He told my mother or not something is wrong with Stan. Hmm. Pastor Jim later told me, he says, Stan, when I saw that, with that big orange ball, I know there's no way you could have gotten out that my faith wavered. But, bottom line, they started to pray. And all the people who were home, the believers, they called him up and something is wrong with Stan, let's pray for him. And hmm. as they're praying, God is sending people to help me all day. Hmm. First, their prayers behind the scene. Second, God is answering the prayers. Mm. So, we continue walking. We are on another floor. I can't breathe. Brian told his wife, called her, I'm fine, I'm coming home. My wife is going to work that day. The first building is on flames. They're watching it from their office window. She works right over the Brooklyn Bridge. I said, you're watching the second plane hits the second building, and in our heart, I was gone with the Lord. So she's in shock. Hmm. One of the girls took her and says, come on, let me take you home. Drove her to where she parked, and Jenny took the car, and she drove home. Pick up the children she's waiting to hear from me, hoping that she hears from me, that is. Never thought that she would ever hear that voice again. Hmm. Bottom line is, I hung up the phone. I spoke to her supervisor. I said, if you get in contact with Jennifer... You tell her that I'm fine, all is well, I'm coming home to you, girl. <laughs> she never got the message. Mm. So, we got to the ground floor. When we got there, it was so annoying because my shoe was all slushy. Funny thing is that I left that morning, I wore what I call my lucky shoe. It was the first day I wore that shoe. Thick rubber sole, my wife 
when she saw the shoe I bought. That's the only thing I ever bought in my life. I never went to the store. She says, an ugly pair of shoe. Chances are, if I didn't wear that shoe, I wouldn't have been able to walk again. Hmm. What, what, what was it about that shoe? It, 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 it had just a thick rubber sole. I see. And all the traction that I needed with the sprinkler system on, and the running and the pushing and the shoving, and all that broken glass and debris and everything else. Mm-hmm. I was able to run it through without, you know, getting my feet injured. Yes. It was in a box today with the word deliverance written all the way around it. Pax TV came to do an interview, and the lady offered me to buy that shoe. <laughs> I said, nope, it's not for sale. Oh, my. I said, if ever I get called for the Lord, I told my wife, I want you to bring me, open that box, show me where I was, and what the Lord did for me, because even today the Jews removed the Passover. Hmm. That was my D-Day, my deliverance day. Yeah. So, I got that shoe. Bottom line is, my undershirt looks like it came from a shredder. My shirt was gone. The pants that I wore, not even a thread was torn. The shoe stayed intact. It looks like somebody wear a shoe for a couple of years, bend it back and forth. The shoe is in a box, looking like that today. Hmm. We got to the ground floor, and what the only people we saw there were the firefighters and cops and the emergency workers. And they were belching out orders, run, 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 run to Liberty. Mm -hmm. Liberty Street runs right across. Yeah. And Brian and I, I'm telling him, this is God's doing, I'm going to Trinity Church. He says, I'm coming with you. And they had roped around like three blocks from the trade center. And as we started to run, they were telling us, do not look up, do not look around. Just go for it. And we were running, jumping over fallen debris and broken glass, and not one piece touched us. All those broken glass, it looks like confetti coming down. Not even one piece. Really? Yes, and we were running like crazy, and the people are cheering, go, go, go. And these good men in uniform, they're running back because they thought other people are trapped. And you can hear that thump, and you can hear that scream, and one just fell. And we got a choice of stopping and investigating and dying or going forward. You heard people falling. Yeah, the building and debris is falling. The mm. building is rocking. It's swaying. And we're running. And we're running. I ran and bumped into the sky. And the people are cheering, go, 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 go. It looked like a scene from Forrest Gump. Mm. Run, Forrest, run. Well, they're cheering, run, run, run. And as we're running, I bumped into the sky a priest. He had his collar on, a Catholic priest. And the guy, Brian said later, Stan, do you remember what happened? No. He said, you were babbling in a language we don't understand. And you were just carrying on. You just lost it, Stan. And the man said, this guy lost his mind. And they prayed for me. And Brian said, well, we were going to um, the Trinity Church. He said, no, this man needs the hospital badly. And the next thing I remember, I'm holding on to the fence of the Trinity Church. <laughs> wow. Brian, it's going down. And he said, Stan, what do you see burning there is all cosmetic and paper and draperies? See, little bent. The profession, I'm an engineer. Mm-hmm. And I said, yeah, it's going down. All I remember telling him was that. Later on, they asked me, how did I know? And I didn't have a clue. But the building starts to sway so much on one side and stop and go back, and you start feeling this vibration on the ground. It's vibrating. So you could see the building vibrate be and sway before it came down. Yes. Huh. I'm holding on to the fence of the Trinity Church, and this building is swinging and vibrating. And is, you can feel its vibration. Is it a metal fence? It's a metal fence. Yeah, I've seen that. That I've been in that church, and I. Okay. I so I'm, I'm feeling. I'm holding on. Mm-hmm. And you can feel this, and you can see this building is swaying. 
And the next thing we know, the building starts to implode. One floor after one floor after one floor. And as the building imploded, what happened was it created a vacuum. And all that smoke that was in the cross streets, it started dragging it towards the core. So it looks like a giant tsunami is coming from the cross streets and enveloping everybody. Hmm. Like this smoke is just rushing, coming towards you. Mm-hmm. And all the people who were roped around, they were just disappearing like in a mist, a cloud, sort of. Mm-hmm. And Brian and I got separated from each other. And I can hear him screaming, Stanley, and I'm screaming for Brian, and we can't find each other. And this man who I was holding on for support is no longer there. And for the first time in my in my life, I, 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 I really knew I lost it. I lost 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 i became an angry animalistic person hmm. i have to see if my wife this is war they're bombing the financial area that's that's in my heart mm-hmm. that's what i'm i'm rationalizing mm-hmm. i gotta go see her forgetting that she is no longer at work she went home yes she works over the brooklyn bridge and i'm looking around for somebody something and i don't know what it is and i saw this man driving a white four by four pickup truck and I yanked the door, looked at the man, and says, one word from you, you're dead, just drive. And the man looks at me, he had the tent and the winds news channel on, he knows a terrorist attack. The man looks at me and he thinks I'm one of the bad guys. Oh, no. So the man reached on top of the dashboard, pick up a box of cigarettes, he says, here, smoke. I said, no, man, I had enough smoke for one day. And he starts to laugh. And he looks at me like, all right, he doesn't look like a bad guy. I, you know, in my mind, I'm, I'm saying this. Mm-hmm. So he says, where do I? I said, Brooklyn Bridge. And he is driving breakneck speed now on top of the sidewalks and everything. And as he reached there, he slowed up because of the traffic. Mm-hmm. And I jump out and I hobbled and I said, thank you. And I'm gone again. And I'm running, pushing, get out, get out, get out, pushing. Thousands of people on top of this bridge. All my life, I tried not to be an angry person. Mm-hmm. But that day, I really, I really messed up, man. I lost it. So... I bumped it into this big guy, and I am expecting him to take a swing at me now. I'm like, oh, man. And the guy turned around. He took compassion on me. Hmm. And he said, my name is Albert de Leon. Anything you want, you just tell me. Hmm. I'm a senior counselor for a French bank. I said, if you can only show me the building where my wife works. And because of security reasons, I never went there. I never visited her in that building. Hmm. He said, you know what? I live right behind that building. Hmm. What are the chances for you to bump into one person like 40,000 people on top of the bridge? Wow. One man lives right behind that building. Huh. Right? So I told the man, look, I'm not going. He said, what do you mean you're not going? I said, because they're hot, wider bridge and everybody's going to die. Now, he's looking at me like I'm crazy, but this I remember telling this man. And he says, no, 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 sit down, sit down. So we sat down, and he thinks I'm crazy, and I remember he asked me, listen, listen to that sound above. Do you know what that is? And you can hear the, 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 the jet fighters hovering over and over him and at hmm. So yeah, he said, what is that? That is Uncle Sam taking care of business. He said, hmm. come on, let's go. He said, I was in Vietnam, come on. And I got up, I had a large leg wound, and I didn't care about that, and we were hobbling, running, hobbling, running, and we reached the lobby where my wife works, the building. Oh. And as I got in there, the security guard looks at me and says, oh, no, you're not coming in here. <laughs> This man took out his guard stick and he took a swing at me. And I forgot, I just lost everything. I kicked this man so hard, I thought I'd kill him. Oh, my. Yeah. Albert is making so much noise. All the man wants is to see his wife. 
Jennifer, she works in a legal department. And I'm screaming, I'm screaming. And the other guy, security guard, saw me and he pulled out his guard stick. And I told that man, I said, look, I don't have a problem killing you if I am. But I, all I want is to see my wife. And at the corner of my eyes, I saw this guy running coming towards us. And as this man got there, he pushed away the security guard and he looked at me and he says, give this man anything he wants. Stan is a good guy. My wife's boy says, Stan is a good guy. And I've seen that man just once in my life. Uh. He said, give this man anything he wants, but make him well. And this man had a white shirt, no undershirt on, but he was willing to part with that shirt. He had to go to his shirt and say, Stan, take my shirt. Hmm. Nobody. I mean, nobody never did that act of kindness towards me. Wow. If that Bible was to be written in modern days, this man would have been the Good Samaritan. Hmm. He said, I have an emergency meeting. I don't have the time. But whatever this man needs, give him. Make him well. Hmm. And a nurse came, and he took, she took one of her big jackets that she had and said, here, Stan, take my jacket instead. Hmm. Now, now, when you were holding on to the fence of the uh, Trinity Church, uh -huh. that is when Tower 2 came down. That's the first building that came down. Yes, that was the building that you had been in. Yes. Came down first, even though it was hit, hit second. second. Yes, sir. And did the, this cloud, did that cloud envelop you f where yes. you were, or, or did you, uh, were you able to escape from that cloud? No, no, I was in the middle of that cloud. You were in the middle of it. Yes, sir. It, it looked like a, a nuclear winter. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, yes. So you started running and... and I, I don't know where I'm running towards, but I'm just running like crazy until I saw this man with a white car. Yeah. With his white 4x4 pickup truck. Yeah. So, so, so when the second, I mean, when building one came down, where were you at that point? I, I don't have a clue. Okay. I, I don't even know. Yeah. But you were out of that, out no, of the area. Out of that area by then. By then? Yes. Okay. So the lady said, look, the nurse told me, she said, we don't have the facility here to take care of you. You need the hospital badly. Hmm. I said, no, if I only I can speak to my wife, I'll be fine. Mm-hmm. And I can't remember her home number. I said, give me a phone. And my right hand that was punctured, I took my left hand, and I'm dialing the number, and the number just popped into my head. I'm playing with the numbers. <laughs> And here's my wife on the other end. Who is this? Me, Stan. Mm -hmm. Please don't do this to me. What are you doing this for? Please don't play games with me. My husband is dead. Hmm. No, the Lord took care of me. I'm coming home to you, girl. What are you doing this for? Please don't do this. Hmm. She didn't, she didn't realize you were alive? She didn't realize I was alive. Wow. So she thought somebody was playing a prank with her. Oh. So she assumed the worst. She assumed that I was gone with the Lord. Amazing. But the Lord's right fit for me to live. Yes. The nurse waited with me. We waited. She says, Dan, you need the hospital. You have to go to the hospital. No, I don't want to. If I go with it, they will never send me home again. I'm telling her, and she remembers this on the today. I want to go home to my family. Mm. She 
she walked me down to the subway. She gave me an apple. She gave me a sandwich. She gave me a bottle of water. She said, Stan, we can't send you home with a cab because they shut down the parkway. She said, this is my lunch that I brought, but I want you to have it. So, like I asked, the Lord did. Now is the time for rejoicing. It's time of Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. Lord, thank you. Thank you, Lord. Mm -hmm. The next thing I remember, a doctor is leaning over me, and he said, this man lost his mind. Wow. Said he might take a day, a year, a month. He eventually will snap out. He doesn't have any broken bones. I've given definite shots and x-rays. He would be fine, but he just lost it. Wow. And the next thing I remember, I'm sitting down on the couch, don't know what day, what year. And I'm watching the news. I'm seeing a plane coming towards me, and last minute it makes a tilt, and I remember in my heart, Lord, I can't do this, you take over. Mm. A giant hand pushed that plane away from me. Mm. When I said, Lord, I sent somebody, anybody, Brian Clark came with that flashlight. And I looked back in retrospect like a giant hand held up this building and, uh, until I was in perfect safety, the sanctuary of the church, and then let it go. And I may never know why me, of all these good men, women, and children, mm -hmm. I may never understand the big picture in things. And I may never understand why, of all these people, good people, who they were, mm -hmm. that I left. Yes. But I suffered with that sur survival, survivor guilt for many, many days. Lord, why? And I stopped one day and I said, why not? Mm -hmm. Why not you stay mm -hmm. But I sat down on that couch. And I told my wife to bring that Bible for me because the newscaster is saying 911 is an emergency number. And September is spelled with nine letters. And I said, well, give me my Bible. And I'm looking for 911. I don't know what I'm looking for. And I stopped at Psalm 91, verse 1. And I'm reading, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide unto the shadow of the Almighty. And I'm reading down, He shall give his angels charges over thee. And I'm reading down with the verse 15, and he shall call upon me, I will answer him, will be with him in trouble, and going on to say, with long life shall I show him my salvation. Hmm. And my friend, that had been my therapy. Oh. He no hid you. No, nothing. He hid you in the shadow of his wing. Yes, sir. Just as a, as a mother hen shelters her, her young. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Mm. And I don't know why, don't know how. But I know in my heart after then that this is a God thing. Mm-hmm. Oh. Well, the the why and, and I mean you have a have a powerful testimony to share, and you're doing that with uh, it sounds like with many people. Yes, sir. Giving the the glory and honor to God and. Well, He deserves it. Yeah. He deserves it, and this is not all about me. It is all about God and His grace. Mm -hmm. And that is what I want to drive home to everybody. Stanley is not a hero here in this whole picture. The mm -hmm. Lord is. Mm -hmm. And the message I leave with people is, if, if you call with all your heart and mind and body and soul, and you tell Him as it is, He's going to intervene in your behalf mm -hmm. and deliver you. Yes. And that is the message I, I leave with people. Mm. I may never know why some people pray, and God don't answer them at the same time. Mm -hmm. And why I called and he answered me at the same time, I, I may never know the answer. Yes. But I can tell you, 
my God lives. Mm. I can tell you that, sir. My God lives. Praise I God. My Redeemer lives. Mm. You know, some people look at God as, huh? He's the God of the Old Testament, the God of the New Testament. He lived 2,000 years ago. He died. He went to heaven, whatever. Yes. No, he's alive. Yes, he is. Yes, sir. Well, praise God for your story. I so appreciate you taking this time to, to share it with me. And uh, your your book is published by Rose Dog Books. Is that yes, right? Sir. Rose okay. Dog. Okay. It is actually self-published. Okay. Um, if you were to go into Amazon.com mm-hmm. and you type in the name Pluck from the Fire by Stanley Premnet, you would see it. Okay. But um, like I said, I, I didn't believe that people should die so I can be rich. Mm-hmm. So that's why I chose to self-publish that book. Yes. Okay. If anybody can read it, fine, reads it fine. And if it don't, well, hallelujah. Yes. Well, thank you so much, Stanley. Thanks for listening to the God Reports podcast. To learn more, go to godreports.com.